0: I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Take one.
1: Do
2: you want from the shop?
3: out.
1: chocolate. It doesn't say anything about a chocolate, ice, does it? No. no
3: it Hello, and welcome to another remotely recorded home cinema special of the Spool Podcast. We'll be talking about the ongoing cinema closures around the world and reviewing the latest on-demand releases, including Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always, The Assistant, Extraction, and Extraction. Um, This is the 96th podcast we've done, and by complete fluke, we're going completely retro and going back to 1996 and exploring the Michael Jordan, Bugs Bunny, Double Team Space Jam. Um, So yeah, uh, we play a little bit of Orr Kelly, Pork, to get us in the mood. I suppose, let's be as inappropriate as possible. I believe I can fly,
2: I believe I can touch the sky.
0: So yeah, Space Jam came out in 1996. So the two of us would have been about what eleven? Were you twelve?
3: Yeah, fifth and sixth class of of school, seventh and eighth grade.
0: Yeah, don't really remember much about it coming out. Like I can't remember if I went to see it in the cinema or if there was a big buzz around it when it came out. Like I don't really have any recollection of it. I definitely saw it at some point, but I think more so at home. Um.
3: Yeah. So it's wow, kind of what a passionate... just what a passionate memory that you're sharing there. I have no idea what yeah. this is. Did you know who Michael Jordan was uh, at the time? Probably. It
0: seems like so long ago. Like, yeah.
3: I, I, I. Yeah. Do you remember Michael Johnson, the runner? So he won the 1996 200 meters and 400 meters. He was just phenomenal. But I used to get the two of them mixed up for ages, and um, just because obviously their names are so similar both like dominant kind of black athletes in the time so this is what it was like living in ireland in the in the mid 90s uh
0: it's kind of interesting watching it now so it's set in 1996 uh it kind of is of its time because michael jordan has just retired from basketball and he is now pursuing a career in baseball and most people like to will be watching the last dance on netflix so it um It kind of, I've just watched an episode where it showed his uh, retiring from basketball and they kind of carbon copied that. So then he's just kind of doing his baseball thing and in a sideline story there's uh, a villain who's trying to capture, he wants to capture the Looney Tunes and make them his most recent attraction uh, on Moron Mountain. So he kind of sends his aliens to Looney Tunes to catch, uh, to capture all the Looney Tunes like Bugs Bunny. Donald Duck stuff like that and they managed to do kind of you know well why can't we defend ourselves so let's have a basketball game so at the same time the aliens go and capture all the essence from all these film basketball players who at the time if I had seen the film which I can't remember I definitely wouldn't have known but now from watching the Michael Jordan documentary having
3: exactly having seen the the documentary you'd kind of like I think I would have known been able to pick Charles Barkley out of a lineup but then the others I was just like is that someone yeah so there's kind of larry bird
0: and um all these other different characters so charles barkley and stuff like this and bill murray is in in a kind of randomly as himself um
3: with a kind of very weird small wee cameo um the animation is pretty good yeah will we will we take a clip i've a tiny little bit of it i watched a um 25 minute making of documentary on youtube just to get myself fully in the mode yeah um and this is a tiny little clip that is just uh, Michael Jordan talking about the challenges of
2: filming with Bill Murray. Space Jam also stars Bill Murray, the only human with as much attitude as Bugs.
1: Well, I never really anticipate playing the game with Bill Murray, but when I looked to the left, actually I looked to the right, actually I don't know which side I looked at, and I saw him. I was really nervous about passing the ball and if he could get it back to me if he had the skills, but I mean, he surprised me.
2: Doc. You kick it into the girl bunny, yeah. Down in the post, you dish it back out to the guy bunny.
1: Got you it. you swing it around the mic over here. You go Fail. to the hole Fail. and dominate. We own defense. Oh yeah. Whoa, I don't play defense. Typical.
3: That clip is just actually really funny. Michael Jordan being then I looked right, mm. then I looked left. Do you think he and can then act? I pick Bill Murray. I think he he plays himself excellently here. And um, when you look at how it was made, it was made in a really weird, like all green screen. Kind of reference stuff, so like it wouldn't have been easy to do what he did, and he mostly would have just been acting as himself, and considering he would have done so many advert ad um advertisements, I think he was perfectly capable of doing what he had to do here, yeah, he- but I thought it was good I, th- I think Bill Murray is probably in it because of his mate um Ivan Reitman, who we would have known from way back in the day of like Hattie Shack and all that kind of thing, so it has a bit of a nod to that. Mm-hmm. That kind of era of comedy, but um I don't know, but yeah i I generally I kind of enjoyed it way more than I thought I would I thought it wasn't gonna hold up at all, um do you get a bit of a laugh out of it? I have a review by the way from from a oh yeah, it's very quick, which
0: is kind of interesting, like in my head there was gonna be like it was gonna be the best of seven basketball matches where like one of them would one win one game then the other would win the other game, but it is just
3: one game, so you're kind of like oh, this kind of trundles along pretty fast, yeah, and that could be from um Watching the uh, the Last Dance documentary, ESPN documentary series, which is, you know, 10 hours long or whatever that we were conditioned to the story being told. But actually, yeah, it zips along really nicely in about 80, 80 odd minutes. Um, I have a contribution from uh, former producer Colin, who um, we've had to fire and hire um, helpful producer Lisa in, in his place. But uh, here's his review.
0: Hey there, Colin here. I finally got to see Space Jam after being prompted and pestered by the lads at Spool to watch it. I have to say I actually really enjoyed it, I hadn't seen it before. Um, Completely transported me back to the 90s which I love and yeah I really really dug it. Uh, My favourite parts was seeing Tweety being so badass and really sassy on the basketball court loved that segment and yeah i also loved uh, the soundtrack r kelly coolio i think seal was in there as well um yeah i'm gonna give it i'm gonna give it a solid eight out of ten
3: so there we go thanks very much for that colin um yeah i i'm, I'm with colin I, I i i didn't hate this you know it's fun
0: yeah it, it's just kind of it's very strange and then there is the whole r kelly element to it where i was like is the song even in the film and then it's played as he comes off the spaceship, coming back to Earth, and you're like, hmm. Do, I haven't watched all of the Last Dance as well?" Did they reference this film at any point in the documentary?
3: I'm not. I'm not up to speed at the, at, the, at that point in the timeline yet. Yeah. Uh, so I think one of the fun things to, to try to explore is, um, the guy. You know the actor I'm talking about, the kind of overweight actor. Uh, what's his name? Wayne from
0: Seinfeld. Yeah.
3: And Jurassic Park. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Um. Is. Yeah, is he basically playing Jerry Krause as the kind of PR kind of guy? So, Jerry Krause being the Chicago Bulls general manager and stuff. So, there's a few nods to that that I'm sure there's plenty of fun Mm -hmm. with it. Um, Do you know there's a sequel? Space Jam 2 is on the way. Oh, wow. LeBron James is the man in front of it. So, I think one of the most interesting things with this, there was a whole thing on why there's been this, why did Michael Jordan choose to do this documentary? Why did he choose to probably allow Netflix to take this and promote it and everything and people kind of think because he's a bit paranoid about um LeBron catching up on his legacy LeBron I think he's up to maybe four MVP uh or sorry he's three time um MVP uh, in the NBA finals obviously michael jordan did that and more but a lot of people are saying well lebron is better in this tougher era so now lebron is trying to do is doing a space jam so um brilliant who knows i think it's not a film i thought we needed but there we go um anyway final stars out of five um two and a half Cool. I will go three and a half. I'd say Colin went uh, four stars. So yeah, it's averaging out as about a good, solid family three star film. Um, I'll plow on then with two um two other new films that I've seen, which uh, they're both weirdly related. Both obviously are getting more people talking about them. Um, in terms of getting review slots in newspapers and weekends, these are two new releases that um have landed on on demand platforms in the last couple of weeks. Uh, they're both Quiet, pensive American films from female uh, directors. Just so there's a, and I watched them in consecutive days. So, um, first up is Never Rarely Sometimes Always. This is Eliza Hittman's story of a young woman in rural Pennsylvania who's dealing with an unwanted pregnancy. So, she's kind of in her. I think she's seventeen. I can't quite remember. But um, the style of filmmaking. It's really kind of poetic, dreamy. But like, there's something about it that's. Um, fundamentally very, very engaging and kind of absorbs you. When you hear, oh, it's an abortion film, you might think, well, for, I did, um, Obvious Child, I don't, if you remember that film with Jenny Slate from five or six years ago. And then, of course, you have the slightly more harrowing fare, such as Mike Lee's Vera Drake, or the Romanian film Four Months, Three Weeks and Two Days. They were the things, they were my reference points going into this, and I was just wasn't sure... Um, what route we'd go, but... um, And where does it fall? Does it kind of in between, or
0: is it more lean towards
3: comedy, or...? Yeah, it's more... It's a lighter kind of, like a buddy movie of the... um. So Autumn is this uh, teenage girl played by Sydney Flanagan, and her cousin, Skylar, who also works with her in this um creepy supermarket, um, is her kind of buddy, and they... Yeah, she goes to the to the um family planning clinics in Pennsylvania, gets no support, gets shown a video. It's not illegal, but she's sort of steered away from it as you know, she's asked, would you be abortion minded? Um and you're like, Oh no, is this the kind of route the film's going? She but luckily then she manages to cobble together enough money to get the overnight bus to New York, uh, from from her town in I think it's Northumberland or somewhere in Pennsylvania. So um it then becomes This uh, New York movie that's a little bit... If you remember the movie uh, Good Time from the Safdie brothers, it's not unlike that because basically they can't really afford accommodation. This procedure ends up being a lot more challenging and taking longer and having to come back the next day and then the next day. And they've no money and you're waiting for bad things to happen. But actually, yeah, it's kind of like this positive buddy movie um, as they just sort of... Keep things going. It's 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 very difficult to 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 describe, but it just really really clicked with me. So, um, I get I went. I think maybe four and a half stars out of five. And wow. um, you'll find it on, uh, Google and the Sky Store and some of these places. It's kind of expensive. Um, so. There you go. It's like maybe €14 Euro to rent at the minute, but it's going to show up on some more of the um, subscription services in a couple of weeks. Um, The other one that I'm quickly going to blitz through is The Assistant. This is basically um a film about an assistant for someone who is effectively a Harvey Weinstein-style um character. So again, another really quiet character. Uh, Jane is her name, played by Julia Garner. And yeah, it's basically... It's basically a Weinstein influence film about what it's like to work for an absolute creak creep and um who plays Weinstein? You don't see him. You just hear his voice. He's this invisible terrifying presence in the office where everyone just just refers to. It. You don't even know his name. It's just him and he. It's re- it's remarkably kind of well done that it's just like this when you have this presence in a workplace of a boss and this authoritarian abuser basically. Um you know, you know that the people don't necessarily need to use the person's name to refer to to him. But um, anyway, Jane goes to HR and lodges a complaint. And um, I almost don't want to ruin who the person is, but it's a guy, someone from Succession, and it's kind of hilarious that someone's trying to do a cover up as a relation. If anyone's watched Succession, they'll they'll get a kick out of it. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's very decent, easy watching, um, while also you know keeping your attention so it's a three and a half out of five that's the assistant you'll find that on volta.ie uh, for about a fiver or six or seven euro and um, is where you'll get that um that's pretty reasonable yeah so anyway these are this
0: is my way of plugging the gap yeah so next we'll kind of switch over to two films from netflix that are new releases as well um extractions out about probably a month or two now um stars um chris hemsworth And directed by Sam Hargrave. I was kind of looking up some stuff about the director. And I was like, oh, has he done anything? And no, this is his kind of first feature. But he's been heavily involved in the stunts. He's basically a stunt quarter for like all the Marvel films. Um, which when you see the film will kind of ring through because a lot of the um, action scenes are very good. So basically, uh, Chris Hemsworth is a uh, gun for hire or mercenary, depending whatever way you want to look at it. And uh, he's tasked with the job of getting Ovi, who's played by Rudrakesh Um He's kind of a drug lord's son. Another drug lord has captured him and it's his job to get him out of the country. Uh, a lot of double crossing going on and then he's kind of stranded. So the film kind of starts off with a lot of kind of Chris Hemsworth being a bit drunk and having flashbacks to a beach and a kid and stuff. And you're like, OK, here's his trouble past. The kid has clearly died or something, blah, blah, blah. So then he obviously adopts Ovi kind of psychologically and kind of goes hell for leather trying to get him out. Um, the action is really good and it looks great. There's a lot of backstory and stuff at the end, which I thought was really dumb and unnecessary. Like the film ends and um, I'm like, how is there 20 minutes left in this film? And they just go this kind of small other route that's really unnecessary and kind of pointless. Yeah, it's enjoyable, good fun, but like good bit of filler there that's not really necessary because it isn't that type of movie. I think it's trying to give it more weight that it needs and just falls into cliches a lot of the time. You've seen this too. What did you make of it?
3: Yeah, um, very good. We're getting good at, very better at the cues of how to like throw to each other in this remote recording. You always note that now when you're listening to podcasts where previously people have been in the room used to just making eye contact, shouting at each other, and now they just kind of talk over each other a lot more. So, um, uh, yeah, so I enjoyed it to a certain... Yeah, it's very easy, stupid. Like, it's truly really stupid watching, but the action is incredibly well done, if you can kind of like this is true escapism. If I if I think about the two films that I took on in the last week, neither of them are kind of escapist in in the sense like this is an exotic, action packed kind of film. And Chris Hemsworth is is always incredibly watchable. Um, and how they shoot the action is is really brilliant. I thought. Um, yeah, I didn't really like the ending. I I, I would agree with you on that. There's like a slightly open ended like maybe trying to set up some sort of sequel mystical kind of nonsense at the very end. But um, yeah, I'd be in the like very forgettable, but like, I won't remember. I've watched this film in, in a year. I wouldn't say, but um, it's a good, good. It's a three, I guess. Kind of
0: five. Yeah. For me, kind of two and a half kind of a thing. I'm also throwing an odd eye on Gangs of London at the moment, which again is very stylized fight scenes. And I kind of want to see a film or a TV show where two people are fighting and it's just really uncoordinated and messy like I imagine it would be because everybody isn't trained in martial arts and it's really stupid that they are. Um so I'm kind of looking forward to the, a backlash against these ultra stylized
3: action films. So Very good. Um yeah, so you want the kind of peep show version of Gangs of of London where it's just two kind of inept people trying to box each other. Exactly.
0: Um uh, moving uh, in a totally di- different direction. Now, another ne- Netflix film which came out on Friday uh, called The Wrong Missy. Uh, it's a comedy starring David Spade and Lauren Lapkus who go on a blind date. Um, She's kind of playing a crazy, kooky girl. Uh, he's terrified by her. Um, She happens to be called Missy. Then David Spade is going to catch a, a plane in another couple of days, bumps into somebody else called Missy takes her phone number they hit it off and then he's got like a company retreat i don't know if it's hawaii or somewhere like that but one of these places like tropical islands that all americans go on every tv show so he's like oh i'm gonna invite missy obviously he wants to invite the hot missy who he got on with but instead he texts the wrong missy and brings her along for the ride um it's there's some okay laughs in it um again it's pretty dumb I feel as well, because it's on Netflix and it's not getting a wider release, there's lots of like, like if this was a normal kind of Adam Sandler project, his company are behind it, um, Happy Madison, it would be a bit tamer, but like there's a lot of bad language, lots of sex in it, lots of kind of, weird a bit like, that's a bit off the cuff, it just seems a bit out of place in the movie. Um, Some good laughs in it, but like overall it's very forgettable, it's probably about a two two and a half star film um but it's kind of funny because i follow a lot of comedians on instagram and everyone's like saying like oh this film's hilarious and it's brilliant and it's the best thing ever and i'm like oh, these are all just so fake all you just want to be is like actors or something um so that was kind of disappointing
3: yeah i think um so are they in my head like now i've seen lauren lapkus in um she was in orange is the new black and a few different things and i feel like she's kind of early 30s i don't know actually what age she is And I feel like David Spade is is in his 50s. Am I wrong on what age David Spade is? I feel like he's just been around.
0: No, no, I think you are. And because he is clean shaven and has a weird kind of a business man haircut, he looks even a bit kind of like he doesn't look his age. He looks okay, but there is a definite age gap between the two of them, which is never really referenced or anything like that. They just kind of go with the flow.
3: All right. Fair enough. Um, So... I guess we can't really acknowledge... We have to acknowledge the fact it's now been nine weeks since we've been able to go to the cinema. Yeah. Um. Do you, I haven't asked you this, actually, in person or on the podcast. What was the last film you saw? I went to see a
0: few on my birthday. I'd have to look back. Um, I went to see in the middle of the day
3: because I was off. I think mine was Emma, which is fine. I'm so glad that it's not, like, some dumb action film that, like, you have a negative feeling from. Um, I think it was Emma. I can't actually remember i thought you might have been able to answer that um yeah but obviously the big talk at the minute is of what it's going to be like the um christopher nolan film tenet i think it's called is still holding out as far as i know for its um july i think it's 24th release date um in some capacity so it feels like cinemas might try to work toward that as a way of opening it so my prediction would be that the likes of cineworld will end up you know, starting screenings at about 8am at about one-third capacity, trying to stagger them. There'd be no concessions, which actually they'll make no money from, so I don't think they'll actually not do concessions, but they'll do pre-packed popcorn, and you'll, I don't know, it's a weird version of what I think it is. But anyway, it feels like that might be when some of the cinemas will work toward um, release dates. So that's kind of, you know, mid to late July, um, unless something changes radically. Like, would you be anxious about going back to to a cinema? Like, would you go, Like, are you allowed to sit together if you go with someone from your household? We, there's so much stuff to work out. Does that screw up their whole seating plan? How are they going to do it? I don't think me and
0: you could sit together, um, like, technically, because we're not from the same household, so that would be kind of weird. I wouldn't be... Like, going to the cinema would be one of the more, like, less things I'd be worried about because a lot of people just kind of, like sitting by themselves and being by themselves so like that would be quite nice that you will know that there is nobody sitting beside you maybe or in front or behind of you and um, it is a tricky one for them to work and as you rightly say like they do make all their money from the food so that's going to be a tricky one um but yeah i kind of look forward to it but again yeah who knows when when it could be open especially if they have to abide by social distancing
3: yeah and i think no matter what people do like i've i've worked i didn't have to motivate myself but like you do have to kind of get into a certain frame of mind to go looking for slightly more challenging cinema that isn't just the stuff that netflix is like watch this watch this watch this you know and to then watch that at home it's not at all the same so um we'll look forward to that um yeah you just would hope that the smaller independent cinemas work out a way of of doing it um I, I don't know. I I, I I try to work it out, but I think every element of how we're all living is going to evolve. Um, we might... Anything else to add then on the state of cinema? We can wrap it up with my little uh, closer if you want.
0: Um, No, I think that's it for cinema. Oh, so we've kind of... In the house here, we kind of been picking, going through the archive and picking old films that neither me or Lisa have seen. So Lisa was uh, very keen to watch Witness, a film that I had never seen. It was her... In the leaving search here, I don't know if it's still a thing. You had the comparative mode, and you could pick a film as one of your texts, um, to do a comparison for. I can't. I don't think we did a film in our year.
3: Yeah, we did it. We did the Third Man, oh, cool. which is phenomenal, which has continued to be one of my favourite, yeah, films. Uh,
0: so Lisa's pick or her film for the, that year was Witness. So we're just gonna have a short, uh couple of minute review of witness
1: i did uh, witness for the leave insert uh part of the comparative test texts for english and uh, hadn't seen it in a very long time and so made poor watch it because i still have the dvd
0: yeah so it came out in 1985 stars harrison ford um joseph sommer uh, alexander goodenough who people recognize as the bad guy from die hard and danny glover um so yeah, do you want to give us a brief spiel on the plot?
1: Yeah, so basically um, uh, there's a, a wee Amish kid um, who's going with his mom to visit her sister this first time going to the big city and uh, he's getting the train and he's very excited. Uh, their train is delayed at one of their cross where they have to change trains and they're sitting around and he asks to go to the bathroom. In he goes and he basically witnesses a murder. Hence the title, Witness and uh their their plans to go visit the sister kind of get a bit scuppered because they he has suddenly become this witness for this big massive case, and Harrison Ford is the detective uh who comes to talk to them and I suppose it all just kicks off from there and um, things get a bit um hairy not to uh spoil it too much for people. Should we get into the plot spoiling
0: stuff because it is from eighty five so the witness the person who perpetrated the murder turns out to be a police detective, which is kind of obvious when you see who it is. you're like this guy is more involved and then it kinda of turns into this massive police corruption case. So Harrison Ford has to it kinda
1: has to disappear and that's where and uh, they they figure out that the safest place is probably um or, well, it's not that he decides he wants to disappear. He just wants to get them back to being safe and decides to bring them back. But in the middle of all of the melee, he gets really hurt. And uh, they don't have any choice then on, on the, where the Amish people live in their community, but to keep him and try and nurse him back to health. And uh, I suppose he, he kind of has to, fit in with their ways and help out and do all of that. So that's kind of where the main part of the film takes place. It's kind of like, you know, a fish out of water trying to understand these people and learn their ways. And and um the relationship then between Rachel, who's the mother of the kid, and Harrison Ford sort of starts to develop. And that's where it gets interesting.
0: Yeah, the small kid is kind of interesting here looking on IMDb. He looked familiar and he's Lucas Haas. So he's been in loads of stuff like Inception, Mars Attacks, Brick, uh loads of different stuff. So um, he kind of stuck with the acting. I don't know if he's a troubled child actor. I might have to look up that uh, after. Uh, it's also directed by Peter Weir, who's um directed tons of stuff, um, Gallipoli, The Truman Show, Green Card, Dead Poets Society. So uh, really strong. Uh, directing credit in it um, yeah it's quite enjoyable uh, the one thing that kind of stood out is how terrible the music is it's like really over dramatic when it doesn't need to be um. but yeah it's kind of very 80s kind of you know, late eighties film.
1: Yeah, I mean, I remember not hating it at school, and it's the t- kind of thing that once you're doing something for school, you kind of just immediately dislike it. I always kind of had a I had a little soft spot for it, and having not seen it in a while, I came back to it and like it kind of has everything. It has a bit of like, um, you know, there's a bit of action in it, and there's a bit of twists in it there is a lo- bit of nudity you know a bit of love story and um, this whole you know saying fish out of water thing and kind of getting an insight into a different kind of community that you wouldn't usually get an insight into and yeah it just kind of has a bit of everything and it wraps up at the end and it doesn't have one of those classic happy endings either but it's one of those kind of this that is quite real annoyed
0: life. me though i do kind of realize any time it doesn't go to end happily ever after. I'm like, oh, why not? Like, this is kind of annoying, but it does make sense.
1: Yeah, it's kind of real life, you know. They're a Massive spoiler here, but um, Rachel and, and Harrison Ford do get on quite well and there's sort of a moment where you think maybe she'll go with him or he'll stay with her and no, they just realise that they just need to go back to their... Um, normal lives uh, but in in terms of the music though I do have to make one comment yes the score is a bit over dramatic but there is a great scene where um, Harrison Ford's car uh, he's trying to get it back up and running and uh, Rachel comes in and the radio comes on and a song comes on and they have a little moment of dancing and it's greatness it's like and it always was like joke in the class like we'd all be singing it and um, you know don't know much biology you know It's it's brilliant mm. yeah so what would you give it out of five i mean i'd give it a four i think it's pretty solid like i think it's better than a three
0: i'd probably give it a three really yeah i think it's kind of it could do with a bit of tightening up like it's not i don't think i'd ever watch it again but i'm glad i saw it
1: okay glad you saw it okay well that's i mean i'll take that to be honest <laughs> yeah. yeah
3: cool all right uh that was kind of nice thanks for thanks uh thanks lisa for contributing that so um We've two debt. I'm gonna I'm gonna do my closer. I've a clip from someone who's passed away in the last couple of days. But do you want to acknowledge the other debt that we've had this weekend as uh, the comedy legend?
0: Yeah, I just kind of heard it yesterday. I think it broke. Uh, Fred Willard died. Um, I suppose most recently people will know him from one of the, like the grandfather in Modern Family. Um, he kind of had a small cameo in that. He's more so known for like these amazing comedy cameos and lots of different things. I don't know if he actually ever had a starring role in anything. Um, Most famously, I suppose, his role as a Air Force base commander in Spinal Tap. So yeah, kind of sad. Anytime he popped up in anything, he always would give a smile and make it that bit more worthy but seemingly died from natural causes and was 86 so um he
3: had a good run yeah looked very good for for 86 not to you know just focus on that but obviously had it was still working up until recently so um there we go yeah so we will we're going to close out with a clip from um a film that you and i both saw and would have discussed back uh when spool sort of started back in 2012 um, it's your sister's sister. So it's a brilliant drama. It features Emily Blunt, Rosemary Dewitt, and Mark Duplass, and is directed by Lynn Shelton, who sadly passed away this weekend at the age of fifty-four from complications of a previously unidentified blood disorder, which um pretty harrowing. But she was um partnered to the podcaster and comedian Mark Marin. And she just, when you look at her filmography, she's kind of worked across so much independent cinema and just directed all these uh, really, really good um, TV shows. She did stuff, I think, on Mad Men and Glow and most recently on um, Little Fires Everywhere, the book adaptation with, um, what's her face, Uh, Reese Witherspoon. And uh, Kerry Washington, which was was pretty good. But anyway, this is a clip from uh, Your Sister, Sister, as I mentioned. And yeah, I just seemed I've a good I've a good fond memory of this film, and I think it was in my top ten from that year. And just that kind of mumblecore style of just letting the actors kind of improvise a little bit and letting kind of dialogue and human emotion kind of thing. Um, like take its course, and she was really, really good at that. And um, we will be back in a couple of weeks. We'll see what other. I have no idea if someone says what a, what's coming out. I'm just kind of like pfft, don't know. There seems to be random films just popping out every every so often. So there seems to be plenty to watch, and old things and new things. But if anyone has any suggestions, get in touch. Um, and we'll see. All right, this is your sister, sister, and thanks very much for listening.
0: Bye.
1: Hi.
2: Hi. Hi. I have something I want to say to you guys, okay? I'm unemployed. And I'm financially unstable, and I am emotionally, at best precarious, at worst, a cripple. And... I'm not in a place in my life to be any sort of father, figure potentially and i'm certainly as your best friend no one i would recommend as a boyfriend and that sucks because you might be carrying my baby and i'm in love with your sister I'm tired of being dead, and I want to come back to life. So, if there, you know, is a baby in there, um, you absolutely should have that. And I would love to help if you want me. Not pushy, just uh, available, be it friend or uncle or dad-ish in some level. And you, I don't deserve you. But I would give you every fucking thing that I have. And if you guys would consider having me, I'm asking for a shot. (laughs) I love you. I love you. Come here. Come on. Come on. Come on, don't be silly. (laughs) Come here, sperm stealer.
0: (laughs) I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Take one.
3: Do you want anything from the shop?
1: Cornetto. Chocolate! It doesn't say anything about a chocolate, does it?